Welcome to My New BFF. I'm Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love, and I am joined today by someone who I'm sure will be my new BFF by the end of this conversation. If you listen to the Steve Harvey Morning Show, you might know her as the mouth of the South, but you might not know how she got there. I'm really excited to have a conversation with Mississippi Monica Barnes. Hello, Cody. Hello, hello. Hi, Monica. I know you hear the accent so right off. You hear the Mississippi accent. I know. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, folks tell me I have no accent. I'm from Texas. Oh. So I claim the whole South. I love it. I do too. The South <laughs> is mine. I left it. I came back. I'm, I'm here forever. It's, it's life. Yeah. I moved to LA. I yeah. tried it. I was like, yeah, not for me. I got to go back South. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. So especially considering the cost of living in the South, but that's just another thing. Oh, absolutely. So you get a big old house for $300. Exactly. <laughs> so the first thing that I want to ask you, because I am who I am and everything I do is about love, who in your life, and they could have been there for a season or for you know your whole life, but who has taught you the most about love? I would say my very first real boyfriend and uh, I was in college and we were college sweethearts and we dated for two and a half years. And he was the kindest, most gentlest, uh, not most gentlest, but the most gentle person. (laughs) And he's just everything he did was about me and for me. We studied together. We ate together. He drove me everywhere I needed to go. He taught me about, you know, my temper and how to, it didn't work, you know, because as I got older, it got worse. But he was just like my best friend. And, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't a pressure thing for sex. It was just like, he taught me so much about myself and, you know, how to be a lady and how a man should treat a lady. And the respect that he showed me was beyond anything, you know, that I've gotten in my adult years. So. Yeah. Well, that makes me want to ask. Where is he? (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a great man. He is a great man and we're still good friends. And he's got, he got married. Um, He played for the Raiders at the time. He got, well, after college, he went to the Raiders. He got Mm -hmm. married. Um, He had a son then he got divorced then he got remarried. And now he has two younger children. So we're still good friends. And I talk to him every once in a while. He's got a couple of businesses. He's still a great guy and still a good friend. So. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. So speaking of college, because you said that's when you all dated. um, My understanding is that you went to school for psychology and got your bachelor's from Southern Miss. Oh, Southern Miss. Okay. Uh So then where did you get your master's in counseling? Jackson State HBCU, baby. (laughs) I brought it back home to, to Mississippi, to Jackson. Yes. Love it. Love it. HBCU as well. I wish I had on my support HBCU hoodie. So I'm wondering with psychology and counseling, how did you end up in radio? So um, I had tapped out basically in my counseling. I was a folk rehab specialist and I was working from home for six years. I had a job. I lived in Dallas at the time when I got into folk rehab and I got a job transferred to Atlanta and I said, I'll take it because my brother was here and he had two children. So when my mom visited, I could, you know, she could see both of us kill two birds with one stone. So I moved to Atlanta eight months after moving here and getting my little place and all getting set up. I got laid off. So I said, okay, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I kind of tapped out in my career, you know, as high as I could go. I was working from home, making really good money. So I said, I'm just going to take some time off and decide what I want to be when I grow up. And my parents were like, do what now? So (laughs) it ended up, I ended up taking about a year. And in that time I did temp jobs and I had a little severance package from being laid off, but I didn't want to use all my money. So I did temp jobs 
here and there. And my friend at the time was a producer of the Steve Harvey Morning Show. She came to town. They came to town for a week and they mm-hmm. were staying at a hotel and mm-hmm. they had mm-hmm. dinner in the hotel. And she said, come over and have dinner with us. So I'm sitting there having dinner with her. And Harvey says, Steve Harvey says, oh, who's the big head girl? And he just started like ragging on me. So I was like, oh, I know you're not talking with those big old lips and da, da, da. He was like, okay, she's mm. crazy enough to go back and forth with me. Who is this nut? So um, he had his business partner with him. Shirley Strawberry was there and we were all just kind of talking <laughs> and laughing. So I left. And then um, the next day I came back and yeah. we were sitting there talking or whatever. And he was redoing his foundation. And Shirley says, oh, Monica writes grants, you know, because I, I do that. I, I work for a nonprofit for Jackson State. So um he said, oh, really? You could help me with my foundation. Maybe you can come interview with my wife and I. So I went to his house, big old house in Atlanta, and I had on my little business suit and my little Jessica Simpson uh, heels, and I'm going in there, and I go in, and I walk in, and I was like, oh, this house reminds me of the house I grew up in. And he was <laughs> like, girl, stop. It's like a five-story five house, and I'm going in there cracking jokes. He was like, girl, yeah. stop. So I go and I interview with them. I get the job, make a long story bearable. I started working for the foundation. It didn't pan out because he had just gotten remarried. So they had to reestablish 501c3 and all of that. So I um, ended up just kind of sitting at the front desk. And so my parents are like, hold on. You're sitting at the front desk with a master's degree. What is the end goal here? And I was like, I'm just praying about it. Something's going to become of this. So eventually I got asked to come in the studio and assist the producer. So I started mm-hmm. printing papers, running to get coffee, doing whatever I could. Nothing was beneath me with a master's degree. And I was maybe 32, 34. I don't know. I was I was old. I was too old to be doing that. So listen, um, I just believed in it. I feel you. Wait. So, okay, hold on. I have a lot of questions because I hear you when you say you were too old to be doing all that with a master's degree, but I also know that journey, right? Like I I went to Howard undergrad. I went to USC for film school. I was interning at a studio when I was 26, feeling like I'm too old and too got too many degrees to be doing this. Um, You know, and that didn't really change until probably closer to 30. Um, So I totally understand on that note. Okay. Because I was going to ask you that. How old were you? So what was that amount of time from when you got laid off to when you started working at the front desk? Uh, about eight months. Okay. I was laid off. It was almost a year. My parents were like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, just living life. And I would travel. I'd go work a temp job just so I could go to Miami. And they were like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm living life. I had been working since I was 13. I started babysitting at 13. And I'm like, I got a job in high school, even though I didn't have to. I was cheering. Um, and I would leave practice and go work at the drugstore. And when I went to college, I worked at a, a bank and then I worked at service merchandise. I just always had a job when I was in grad school, I worked two jobs. So just for, to, to take the break off, it was liberating. And I was doing what I wanted to do, working when I wanted to work. So I sat there and it, it was about eight months when I got the job. And I sat at the front desk for about three or four months. I went into the studio, started radio production learning everything and they knew I didn't know anything and they laughed at me and I would be like, what's the puppy thing on the mic? And they're like, Oh, it's a windscreen girl. Stop talking. So (laughs) that was all fun and good. So um, then the producer left, she got a job with BET and Steve Harvey and his business partner, Rashawn McDonald said, Hey, do you want to produce the show? And I said, I don't know about producing a show. I don't know how to do that. And they said, don't worry about it. We didn't either at first we'll teach you. So the rest is history. They taught me and then his business partner um, left the company and, um, I heart said, you want to be an EP? Sure. <laughs> so 
Wow. And for radio heads, radio heads is kind of irritating for them because they go to school for yeah. this and they've done this all their lives and they work this job and this job and this job for her to just come on in and, hey, you're an executive producer. They're like, so the struggle is real. Yeah. So, okay. I'm not in radio. Well, you know, here I am with a podcast, but um, they're still very different. Right. So tell us, what does an executive producer of a radio show do? The executive producer is basically like keeping everything tied together. In my position, I can't speak on other jobs, but I am like the ringleader. I have six unique people, six unique talents that I work with. Um, of course, Steve Harvey in itself is a whole job. So you, you're dealing with the talent. You're making sure everybody's happy. I do the um, ad sales, make sure I streamline the billboards, work closely with Crystal and the engineers to make sure stuff is slotted in the show, um, that the I have promotions calls weekly to make sure the talent that is distributed equally among the talent and it fits their personality and that they're endorsing or voicing for something that they believe in. You know, we do truth in advertising. So that's the main majority part of of what I do. Um, then I, during the show, of course, I produce some of the content for the show. Strawberry Letters, um, Ask the CLO is one of our big segments. So I'm basically like a segment producer in, in inside of being an executive producer. And then making sure that we do the scheduling with the talent. I book the guests, um, you know, follow through on all of that. So I work a lot with a lot of publicists, a lot of people, a lot of managers of talent. Um, and uh, do the talking points for interviews, just lay out the show in that aspect. So I'm basically a segment producer, content, wrangler, scheduler. And the business. Holding it all together. And the business. In a lot of ways. Just holding it all together. Whoa. Okay. Wow. I had no idea. Okay. I can't even compare that to any one role in TV and film. You right. know what I mean? That's like the network side and the creative side. That's Okay. Because in TV, you'll have a segment producer for mm -hmm. several segments, like each, you know, and then you'll have pers people that work with just with talent. And then you'll right. have people who just book. So with radio, it's all encompassed under one position, one time. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. So then while, as you mentioned, you know, these, these quote unquote radio people of which you are now, <laughs> um, you know, they go to school for it. They take every internship and every job they can get to get where you are. Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel like you had to prove something? I did, especially with the talent because they, Shirley's been in radio forever. Shirley's a consummate professional. She is the voice of radio. Mm -hmm. So she's coming in like, who are you? Even though we were, we were very good friends before. Um, and she actually recommended to Harvey, oh, you should interview her at least. So she's still like, okay, right. now you're over here. You need to learn this. You need to do this right. And she was a big help in training me and, and just giving me, um, I learned by example from Shirley, I'll say. But the others, like we have a program director who's like, okay, let me tell you this and that. So she helped me as well. Um, and then, you know, the executive producer was still there, Rashawn McDonald. So I learned a lot from him. And then just building a Rolodex and having the personality to work with talent and, you know, have them call me directly when they yeah. want to get on the show. That was the main part. You have to build your Rolodex. Yeah. So. Okay. I have a lot of personal questions because that's what we're here for. But I have one more business question, which is, do you feel like, so what you're describing, I feel like I get, I feel like we're the same, you know, generation, the same work ethic as I, you know, certainly grow my business. Do you feel like the young people, the next generation after us, the quote unquote millennials have that same work ethic that you're describing in terms of like, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to learn every single thing I can. And I'm going to 
pay my dues and you know because i don't i'm so confused sometimes absolutely not cody they do not they want it right now they don't want to go through anything we just had a strawberry letter or i had to say hello about this there was a strawberry letter um the girl was working this job and she got on this she she advanced really quickly in the company and the uh it was a female boss and the female boss put her on a global team sales call and the girl was working during the pandemic doing her job and you know she started with a great salary she started with like sixty five thousand dollars and she's 26 years old like who does that so um she goes on this global sales call and she says to the people they said oh we want to commend you you're the youngest and the first female to join you know our global sales team da, da, da. and she goes um, yeah, and I would like a raise because I'm doing a lot more than I'm being paid for. And the female boss is like, you little heifer. So <laughs> she's oh, like, no. and I just think that speaks to millennials. I don't know. I think 26 is millennial range, but it, yeah, yeah, I think it so. just speaks to what they want instant everything. Like they don't want to go yeah, through anything. And yeah. I had interns and um, assistants along the way when I was in the studio. And, you know, I'd be like, oh, I need a sugar for my coffee. And she'd look at me like, Oh, you better go get it. And I'm like, sweetheart, you know, at the time I was like 40, 42. And I'm like, you have to do what you need to do to get the job done. You have yeah. to do it's so much yeah. in your job. That's not in my job description. That's there's they're quick to stand behind that. I said, there are so many things mm -hmm. you will be faced mm -hmm. with in your life that aren't in your description that you have to handle, you know, but they want instant gratification yeah. and they don't want to go through anything. Right. I think there's a whole nother conversation to be had about the why and how we can kind of work together. Cause at the end of the day, this is where we are, right? And so we have to, the, the challenge I fall into is like find, like assuming people have my same work ethic and, you know, and that whole do the job, do the job you want. Um, but then my assumptions are wrong. And so my expectations are wrong. And so they're already at a disadvantage. So I could have a whole nother, we, we will. Yeah, no. <laughs> we'll have to chat about that. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about you. Um, 2020 was a hard year um, for connection for a lot of folks, but you're thriving. And I think a direct quote from uh, Steve Harvey was that he never knew anyone who was so happy to be forced to stay at home. Uh, now I know that I'm known for the black love of it all. And I think that that is all the love, love of our community, love of our partners and our, and our family and love of self. So how have you gotten to this place of self love and you really just enjoying time with yourself? It started out when I started working from home because I am such an introverted extrovert. So when I'm out, I'm bubbling, I'm this, but when I'm inside, I'm just like, chill. Like I, I haven't even turned my TV on today. There are days when I don't watch TV till dark or whatever. It's just, I'm so busy doing the things that please me that I'm happy about. I get up, I have my coffee. I read, I search Instagram. It's just little things in my life that make me happy. And I indulge in them and I don't make excuses for them. I don't apologize for it. If I don't want to want to be bothered, I don't answer my phone. But then it started too, uh, working with Steve Harvey with the morning show. Um, I traveled a lot and I traveled alone. I would have to go ahead of them and set up um, the remote look the remote studios or whatever he was doing. And um, I was just alone a lot. So I learned to go to eat by myself, travel by myself. And it was kind of scary. I'd be in these hotels, city to city. I would go into Farmington Hills, Michigan. I would land in Detroit, driving out like 45 minutes to this hotel in a rental car by myself, five, two, little bitty, you know, 
timid little thing and I would go check in and get up before day, go to the studio, make sure everything was laid out. Maybe Kim was our guest host or um, I may go to New York WBLS and be up before crack of dawn because John Legend was in the studio with us. Or like when Tamar came, I was in New York. All these big stars. I used to fly to LA to be with Kevin Hart. So I traveled so much alone. I just learned to like, you know, once I'm down, I'm down and I'm tired and I'm just, you know, self-care. And then living in Chicago for five years, girl, and being in blizzards and all of that, you <laughs> learn to stack your freezer yeah. and watch TV. Yeah. So I love being inside. Yeah. Do you, so do you think that your love of aloneness you know, or appreciation for that, um, that personal time will change? Do you want it to change? I do want it to change. I'm so like, you know, people say they get stuck in their little routine. I do want to open up and, and let someone in and I'm ready for it. You know, I've got space for them. I can carve out a little piece of closet or we'll just get something else together. We'll go somewhere else and get something big and fabulous because he's probably going to have a lot more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, so um, not to get all up in the business, but you're dating. I'm dating. I do have okay. about three or four boyfriends. Um, yeah, I'm dating. Nice. No, oh, I, I, love I just, they're, love they're actually, we, we DM each other, we text and we talk. It's nothing serious. Like I wouldn't say I had a Valentine. So, you know, I got some things, but I wouldn't say, oh yeah, that's my man. And he loves me. And yeah. And only me. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So. One thing that I like to do here at my new BFF is really to just, like I said, get beyond the persona, right? The, the beyond the mouth of the South, although that never goes away because that is your, your Mississippi-ness coming out. Um, what does joy look like for you? What makes you the most joyful? Joy for me is actually being uh, with my friends, with my family, good mm -hmm. food. I'm just, I'm a foodie, but like on the low low. So if I have a good good food, a good movie. Just, um, mm -hmm. I love having my house clean, smelling good. Um, you know, take a nice mm -hmm. shower, put on some fancy pajamas for myself, nice robe, mm -hmm. fluffy footies, uh, just simple things. I'm very simple, very yeah. low key. A trip to Target could just like have me over the moon. So I love it. I love all of that. Actually, child is very hard with three little ones to do any of that. I know. Then you add the pandemic. My son is four. He's obsessed with Target. So he always wants to go there. And I'm like, sad because we can't, we can't go. You yeah, know? you can't get out like Too that. Too much yeah. happening up in there. Um, yeah. Okay. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? A billboard with anything on it. Mm -hmm. hmm, would it be me on there? That's, that's a good question. Would it? What do you want folks driving by to see? Uh, oh, shoot. That's a good one, Cody. <laughs> hmm. I have to give credit to my producer, Crystal Hill. <laughs> For that question, For Crystal. For that question, Crystal, yes. what do I want? Let's, let's ask Crystal, what would be on my billboard? It would be something goofy, though, because I'm, I'm such a goofball. I may put, I don't know, girl, a me picture of me yeah. in Target. I don't know. Something something really goofy, like um, maybe me with my nephews playing with them when they were younger or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. family. I love um, it. Yeah. All right. It's nothing significant. No, it is. I mean, hey, it's what matters to you, right? It's what, it's yeah. again, what brings you joy. What do you wish you spent more time doing five years ago? Five years ago, what do I, I guess nurturing the good relationships that I had, because I did have some good relationships, but I kind of, um, 
I kind of get bored. Not, I won't say I get bored easily, but I look for red flags and then I don't mm-hmm. give you a second chance. I don't, you know, say if I see it, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You show me yeah. who you were in the beginning. And I always do that with with a lot of people. You show me who you are in the beginning and I just typecast you as that and say, that's all you're ever going to be. So I don't really give people a second chance. So five years ago, I would have opened up more and been, been a little more patient with people and just kind of. Do you do that now? Do you, are you more open now? I am more open now. I've, I've learned to meet people where they are, accept them for who they are, and just roll with it. And once I feel like it's too much, I can't do anymore, I, I let them go. Or, you know, I just kind of keep them at, at, at bay. Yeah. Do you communicate that when it happens? Uh, or do you just take note? And- not all the time. I'm a cutter offerer. I'll just stop talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely a cutter offerer. Or I'll get really short with you. Or I'll just, like, you may... You may call me and I may text you back and um, I make up excuses for stuff and I always blame it on work. Oh, girl, you know, I'm on this mm. thing, that thing. So now, you know, you're telling us all of it now, right? Know. You know, all these people are going to know. Like, oh, wait a minute. She wasn't working. They, they will know. They'll know. <laughs> but the ones who truly know me and get me, they know my work schedule. They know when I'm doing stuff. They know my conference call day. They'll be like, oh, I forgot it's your conference call day. You know, just text me. And I'm like, OK. Yeah. So, yeah. So what failure what, or what failure is one of those tricky words, but what is something that you maybe didn't do right or didn't do well that you learned from? Oh, a lot of stuff. It's, where, do we, where do we start um, again? <laughs> uh, undergrad in school. I mean, I went in and I was kicking in my freshman year. My mom was like, okay, you'll be at the house at, at the community college. Keep on. So, I mean, just starting out in college, not, not doing that, you know, just being away yeah. from home and hanging out and partying. Um, then it just, it goes from there. So many life experiences that I could have done better. Like, um, yeah, even when I got laid off, you know, in, in hindsight, with my folk rehab job, I kind of knew that the it was sketchy in Atlanta. Like I had job security in Texas. I still took mm-hmm. the leap of faith, which went to Atlanta. And I was like, oh, I could have been in mm-hmm. Texas. But then look at me now. I wouldn't have been here where I am. So it's always should have, could have, would have. Yeah, yeah. So usually my failures turn out to have a happy ending, but way down the line. Are you Are you pretty good about seeing that light at the tunnel? Like, so of course, moving from Dallas to Atlanta, like you said, you can look back at it and go, oh, why did I do that? But are you pretty good about being able to see that all the thing, everything happens for a reason kind of thing? Absolutely. Like this didn't work out, but I'm close to the family. Um, you know, I left Dallas, but I got this other job in radio. Um, you know, I got laid off, but God opened this other door to give me a job mm-hmm. working at a front desk that turned into something else. Even sitting at the front desk, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, I'm bigger than this. And I told myself that every day as I dressed up and went to work and I always overdressed for the job because I always dress for the job. I yeah. want. Like, and they had a, they, they had professional, uh, that was the mandate that you had to dress professionally. So in radio, who does that? But I did it. So I, I stuck to the dress code and I was like one of the only ones. And they'd be like, why is she overdressed every day? <laughs> but eventually it got this, you know, the yeah. executive producer, I mean, the executive producer and Steve Harvey and other part business partner, they were like, yeah. let's just see what she can do. She talks a lot. Maybe she can. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she really does have a lot of sense. So. And folks can see you in the job. They can see you in that next position. Right. Right. Okay. What do you want your legacy to be? 
Uh, I want my legacy to be that I helped people along the way, that I was open. I open, I was always the same, and I am always the same. I never, I'm never this way with this person, that way. It wants, what you see is what you get. I'm always the same, even with Steve Harvey. If he says something I don't like, I'm like, that's not right. And I think that's why I managed to last with him so long, because when he left Atlanta to move to Chicago to do his TV show, he and his business partner took key people. They took his stylist, his assistant. Um, the the executive producer said, I'm going to take you. You're going to be my assistant, but you'll still do the show and you'll sit in and produce Harvey every morning from five to nine. And he told me when I got there, the executive producer, Rashawn McDonald said, I brought you because you're not a yes person. You actually tell Steve Harvey what he needs to know and you're not afraid to do it. When he yells and he yells and barks and then and I'm like, okay, but are you going to do it? You know, so I'm just always right here with it. And what you see is what you get all the time. I'm, I don't change. Mm-hmm. I don't flip flop. Where does that come from? I think it just comes from I've, I've failed so much and I've picked myself back up. It's like I have nothing to lose. I have something to fall back on. I just have that faith that it's all going to work out. And if it doesn't, I've also planned for the what ifs and the oh, oh, my goodness. And, the you know, I, you always have a, a safety net. Mm-hmm. So I've planned for everything. So if mm-hmm. I had to walk away from this tomorrow, I said, oh, you know, I have two degrees. I can go teach at a school. I can go be a school teacher. I, it's so many other things you can yeah. do that you don't get hung up on. Woe is me. This is it for me. This is not it for me. So that would right. be my legacy. Right. A lot of people like idolize, you know, working with celebrities or working in, you know, high profile industries, film, TV, radio, et cetera. Um, will you give us like your favorite thing about your job and your least favorite thing about your job? My least favorite thing about my job is working with celebrities. <laughs> but no, the best part of it is just the camaraderie. We really are a family and we really do like each other. We yeah. like, um, you know, being around each other. We laugh. And it's so sad before we do the show, we come in early just to talk. Like before we start in the morning, we come in yeah. just to talk, you know, just to shoot the breeze. Hey, what you guys doing? What you eating? What's going on? What'd you do yesterday? Yeah. Um, so it's not, it doesn't feel like work, but that's the best part of it. The worst part yeah. though is the, um, the emails. And uh, since everyone's home, I'll just speak to the quarantine. They're not used to working from home or working remotely. So they want to send emails and they want to prove, prove, prove they're working. And it's irritating. Mm-hmm. I'm like, stop with the emails, stop with the calls. You know, this is, you're, you're fine. You're doing good. Your supervisor's going to know you're okay. You're working. So um, that's right now. That's yeah, the only drawback yeah. of it. Love it. Um. Okay. Well, Monica, I absolutely love how I love the the idea of just being yourself all the time and knowing that you will always make a way out of no way. And that and having not simply something to fall back on, but the confidence in yourself that you're going to find something you love no matter what happens. And so that's my biggest takeaway because I need to, you know, keep in mind, I I constantly need to remind (laughs) myself that failure is part of the process right? Tricky word, but you got to do scary things. You've got to um, take risks and not be afraid to fail um, and have the confidence to be all right, no matter what. Absolutely. So that's my biggest takeaway. I have a question for you. Yes, of course. So you, you mentioned you have the kitties and we're in quarantine mm-hmm. and you look fabulous. So what do you do for self-care with the babies and your podcast? Really? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the fabulous comment. Um, for self-care, honestly, Monica, I'm struggling 
the self-care right now is truly giving myself grace. It's 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 not I haven't gotten to the step where I go and do the 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 face masks right. or even the puffy the puffy uh, shoes. I certainly have just ordered some pajamas that I like. So I do take the opportunities, frankly, to like buy things that make me happy that don't have to be extravagant. Like right now I'm wearing my uh, somebody's mama. You can't even see it. My somebody's mama. I see it with the pink. Yes. I love it so much. Yellow is my favorite color. So I just love the brightness of it. It makes me happy. So like self-care for me is truly the little things. It's having a cookie. If I want to have a cookie, <laughs> it's wearing a bright yellow sweater. The, I'm always either in this one or this other one that says always black. And it's spelled A-L-L. So always black. Always. Just, yeah. yeah, it just makes me happy. Um, but I am certainly working through prioritizing myself. Because um, these, these kids are on the other side of the wall most of the time. So I hear the cries and, and, and the bumps and have to keep working through it. It's challenging. Um, so I have to talk to folks like you so I can remember what self-care looks like. <laughs> well, I, maybe I should try brighter colors. I'm, I wear black every day, all day, every day. And then I'm in the hoodies when we work and I'm just looking like yeah. a little boy in here. So maybe I should <laughs> spruce myself up. Maybe that'll help me when I'm getting down and I'm looking in the mirror like, because yeah, I flip his hair down today just for you. I'm usually with a ponytail in the it. top. So, you know, half the time I got the swoop just like that. I love the side part. Well, during the quarantine, my hair has grown. I'm normally this, it's it's normally this short, like, but I have a little, I have a little puff ball back here. I've just let it grow during quarantine. I'm like, what's next? I don't know. Am I going to have long hair? Am I going to cut it back off? Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. I think it really is just finding those little things that make you happy. I think, especially now when there's not a lot of, big things we can do, right? Um, So before we close, will you tell folks listening what, if anything, they should be looking out for? What are you excited about that's coming up for you or for for Steve Harvey and the morning show? Well, we're just strumming along, keeping everybody entertained during the quarantine. Um, The major thing for me is uh, maybe moving back to Mississippi. I'm not sure. Since we're in quarantine, mm-hmm. I can work from anywhere. That may be a major life mm-hmm. change for me moving back. My mom is 80. Yeah. I love it there. I don't need much as long as I have an airport and a mall. I'm good. I'm, well, a Target. <laughs> I don't really need the mall because of the quarantine. <laughs> been shopping online. So, yeah. you know, I haven't been out of the house since Saturday, so I don't need much. You know what's funny? I never go anywhere either. Never. I, I love it. People yes. are always updating me to the new quarantine rules and the restaurants are open or they're closed. And I'm like, oh, I didn't I didn't know. Okay. Thanks. Like that's nice. Right. <laughs> I did go to dinner Saturday night. I went to dinner. Um, but it was so I was so paranoid. We sat yeah. outside. It was yeah. like forty degrees outside. I sat under a heat lamp and I'm like, okay, this is good. Let's go. I stayed maybe thirty minutes long enough to eat and run. Yeah. Cause it's just the paranoia once you take that mask off and you're sitting there eating and breathing out of people's air. I'm like, let's just uh, no. Yeah. Well, thank you, Monica. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you sharing, you know, your trajectory professionally, but it's so, you know, who you are personally and being not not afraid to take risks and I think it's absolutely inspirational and I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you asked, Cody. I enjoyed it. And anytime you need me, just holler, girl. Thanks for joining me on My New BFF. Don't forget to give us a review so others can join us on this journey. And please don't forget to subscribe so you're the first to find out who will be my new BFF.